This can be played at high volume. Live and local. This is the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's Saturday, and you know what that means. Finally time for the world-famous CD to step to the mic for two straight hours of no-holds-barred sports talk. It's better than Desperate Housewives. You better get ready. Because Under the Dome with CD starts right now. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Hour two of two is officially underway. Hopefully you're having a tremendous Saturday because it is just a really nice day out. And hopefully that weather can hold up for just a little bit, just a little bit longer. Because I think tomorrow the weather's supposed to kind of turn a little bit sour. But thankfully, the world famous CD is here with you bring you a lot of good information in the world of sports. And before I kind of get into some college football talk, we got a stacked hour here. Not enough time to get some calls in. This will be the one segment to get it in. Because in the next segment, we're going to have Bryce Boudreaux. He'll be joining the program next to talk about a big event going down in Lake Charles at Burton Coliseum. We're going to talk some MMA. Gulf Coast MMA 16 going down next weekend. We'll talk to him about that at uh, at 10.15. I'm so used to saying 11.15, but it's 10.15. And then 10.30, we'll have on our good friend Steve Lassen of Athlon Sports to talk about all the stuff going on in the world of college football. But I want to hit on something that I mentioned a couple weeks ago in a conversation with our good friend Ty Batiste in the show. I want to recap this real quick in case you didn't know that I decided to place some money on one game in, or one thing in particular, a two-leg parlay that would have netted me $300 in cold hard cash if it hit. It didn't hit, sadly, where I had the Bucks and the Warriors making the finals. That said, I've still got a couple bets on the Golden State Warriors to win the NBA Finals and hoist the Larry O'Brien trophy. That happens. I'll be one happy son of a gun, I'll tell you that much right now. That's get, that's getting get me a good bit of money, get me back on track, at least hopefully, that's what it does, and hopefully the five-leg parlay, which if you missed, you can listen to it on demand right now on 1037thegame.com. After the show wraps up, we'll have it up on all your favorite podcast platforms, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, all that stuff. We're available over there. But I also want to mention, Downtown Rising is coming up in just about a few weeks. You've got... Memorial Day weekend, and then the following Saturday, about two weeks from right now, Downtown Rising going down. And we've got your chance to upgrade your experience for Downtown Rising with the ultimate Downtown Rising VIP experience is you can score a pair of VIP passes and have a chance to meet the Cold War Kids. The Cold War Kids are a really great band. I'm, I'm glad we were able to get them back on because if you don't know, I'm going to go ahead and kind of run this down for you. This one has been building up for a while. 
They were supposed to be part of Downtown Rising in 2020, but of course we all know the pandemic happened. Then we, I think we were starting to make plans about booking them. Didn't work out in terms of scheduling, but now 2022, the Cold War kids will be in Lafayette, Louisiana in two weeks' time. And you can sign up today in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to win VIP passes for Downtown Rising featuring the Cold War kids on Saturday, June the 4th. It's the ultimate Downtown Rising VIP experience presented by Social Entertainment, Raider Solutions, Louisiana Raging Cajuns, and of course the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. So with all the stuff going on in the world of college football, the Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher argument, they have been bitter bickering like the Hatfields and McCoys lately. And who knows, maybe this deep-seated rivalry has been building up for a while, and finally somebody kind of lit the fire under Jimbo Fisher's backside, that's somebody being Nick Saban. It got me thinking about some of those must-watch college football games. We'll kind of table that conversation for a moment and see what we can get into with somebody on the game hotline at 337-706-0111, Hello, you're on Under the Dome. Hey, good morning, Mr. World Famous. How you doing? Hey, Jamie, how you doing, my brother? I'm doing all right. Look, man, I got a couple things for you. Number one, there is no way that this thing with Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher isn't scripted like the WWE. I'm sorry, I shouldn't go there. But there's no oh, come on, way man. that come on, man. You, you can say they it. know each other too well. They oh, know it. each other too well. And the second thing is this. You made the mistake of betting against the Lightning. There's a reason they're going for their third straight uh, Stanley Cup. And uh, you got Domingue on the, the pins. He's Canadian. They actually yeah. pronounce it Domingue. How weird is that? It's weird. I, I, but, you know, again, it's spelled the same way. He, he's one of he's one of us. I'll just say that. He's, he's one of us, brother. Uh, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> I think it's pretty cool. He used to play for the Lightning, actually. So, yeah. uh you should be a Lightning fan by default for the rest of the way. But anyway, I hope you have a great rest of your day, a great weekend, man. Good to hear you. I appreciate it, Mr. Jamie. I appreciate you, man. You know, again, I I didn't bet on the Lightning for what it's worth. I Here's the thing. I like hockey. I don't know enough about it to really deep dive into it. If I see a really strong favorite, that goes in the Fave 5 parlay. Because, again, I want to get y'all some money. I also want to get me some money. Trust me, I've been on a slump that I think Mark Grace would say, time, for, time to break out the slump buster, kid, and go ahead and pick the biggest favorites you can. Because it's tough. It's difficult. So, he brought it up. The Nick Saban thing and Jimbo Fisher, it definitely feels that WWE, in fact, somebody brought it up perfectly on a podcast, saying that this was basically the Jim Crockett Promotions-esque promo that we heard from Jimbo on, I believe that was Thursday at 10 a.m. Like, he literally put together a press conference within moments after like after the Nick Saban video got dropped on Wednesday night. He's like, Thursday, we're going to go ahead and go old school Jim Crockett and drop a promo for about 10 minutes about how despicable he is, how he thinks he's God. Like, I want to see that matchup October 8th, which is why I want to get into the conversation about some of those games across the country that I think are a must-watch and 
hella intriguing. So we're going to go ahead and go week by week here, ignoring week zero, but we're also going to go ahead and, and establish some ground rules. Number one, week zero, that doesn't exist. It's not a factor in my book. We go week week one onward, and we do not include the Louisiana Raging Cajuns or LSU. With all due respect to those teams, we're already going to be paying attention to those games. We're going to be watching them, be at home or at Cajun Field or Tiger Stadium or wherever they're playing. I mean, the Tigers open up the season against the Knowles out at Caesars Superdome. You're going to watch that game, literally, because it's the only game there on that Sunday. We're going to go to games that may not be what your regular watching habits are. Week one, I got to go Arkansas-Cincinnati. Arkansas was a team last year that got better, that they're starting to improve. Sam Pittman's done a bang-up job with this Arkansas team, getting them better. Arkansas-Cincinnati. Cincinnati's a team that's going to be in the Big 12 before long. How do they kind of work without their star quarterback? How do they continue to grow? Because, again, Cincinnati's a damn good team. Let's see how they work against another SEC opponent in Arkansas. Week 2, Alabama-Texas. And the bad part about this game is it's going to be Swamp ass, 11 a.m. out in Austin. You, If you're out there going to this game, Danny Jones, if you're listening, you are going to be sweating your tuchus off watching this ball game live over there. But trust me, it's going to be a damn good ball game. Week three, Auburn, Penn State. We are taking on the Nittany Lions, taking on the Tigers. Auburn, I think they could be a team that's on the hot seat. It's a conversation I'll be having once we get closer to the start of the season. But Auburn-Penn State has some intrigue there. Week 4, TCU-SMU. I think this could be a shootout of all shootouts. SMU is a pretty good team, and they started to grow. I wouldn't be surprised if this has that Big 12, like, pound-the-over type feel to it. Then we go from a high-scoring game to potentially a low-scoring game, Michigan versus Iowa. Iowa was a really good team until they weren't undefeated anymore. Then they kind of fell off a cliff. Michigan, looking to kind of build off of a very, very, very good year. I think this would be an intriguing matchup to see how the Big Ten shakes out. Week six, you already know. A&M, Alabama, give me a WrestleMania 17 Limp Biscuit My Way promo. Somebody with video skills much better than mine, and trust me, that bar's low. Give me that promo package before Texas A&M, Alabama, 230, SEC on CBS. That one screams that matchup week number six. Week seven, another Big Ten, Penn State, Michigan. I use both those teams already, but I think this one still is going to hold a lot of intrigue because who's to say Penn State could be a contender in the Big Ten, especially now that they're seemingly going to start going away with divisions. West Virginia, Texas Tech, that one's going to be a lot of fun again. I love a little Big 12 action. Sue me. I like that one. We're going to go Sunbelt here in week number nine. A newcomer to the Sunbelt taking on old stalwart. Kind of. Coastal Carolina taking on Marshall on the road. The Thundering Herd, they competed. They contended against the Louisiana Raging Cajuns last year in the New Orleans Bowl. How do they fit against a team that looks to be back on track to take the East, and the East is getting a lot better with Marshall there. App State is always expected to be a contender. It's going to be fun to see how the Sun Belt shakes out this year. 
Week 10, I got to go Clemson, Notre Dame. Can Clemson be better than they were last year? That's anybody's guess. Week 11 is pretty light in terms of like big, big ball games. We're going to go SEC here. Georgia, Mississippi State. I think Georgia's going to probably like steamroll Mississippi State by this point in the season. But I still think it's probably one of the more intriguing matchups on a pretty light week. Week 12, we got to go with Pac-12 after dark action. At least I'm hoping this is Pac-12 after dark by the time we get into this point in the season. USC, UCLA, that's going to be a ton of fun. And then we go all the way down to week 13 action. This is absolutely when things get a lot of fun. And I hate to do this because there's a, a, a crap ton of rivalry games. I think Week 12, it's an easy pick. Mississippi State Ole Miss, Egg Bowl, Thanksgiving night. I'm not going to watch much of Thanksgiving night NFL football. So that's my that's my take there. Week 13, give me all day twice on Sunday, Egg Bowl. I think a close second. You can say the, the Iron Bowl. Eh, I think the Iron Bowl is kind of passe. But the Red River Showdown, which we can't call the shootout anymore in 2022 because you guessed it, PC kind of throws things into that. But, yeah, I absolutely think the Oklahoma-Texas Tech game, that's going to be a banger and a half. Oklahoma-Texas Tech is going to be a ton of fun. We're going to take a quick timeout, be back. Bryce Boudreaux going to talk some MMA at Lake Charles at Burton Coliseum, Gold Coast MMA 16. We can't wait to talk about it next, right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Let me correct myself before I get texts. I keep, I misspoke there. It's not the Red River shootout. It's just the regular old Oklahoma, Texas Tech game. I, I misspoke. That's Oklahoma, Texas, the Red River shootout. I feel like an idiot. We're back after this. After all your problems during the week, it's finally the weekend. Woo! Yeah, baby! That's what I've been waiting for. That's what it's all about. That means you're getting more Under the Dome with CD right now on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. We've got Steve Lassen coming on in about 10 minutes talking about college football. And maybe we'll kind of get into conversation about whether or not Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban can solve their problems inside the octagon. Before we do that, let me tell you something. We got something great going on right now in the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Is we want to hook you up to see the Houston Astros with our latest Astros Weekend Getaway. He's going to be taking on the White Sox on June 18th, and you can be there. Make sure you sign up today in the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. The Astros Weekend Getaways are, as always, powered by Butcher AC, Lumberidian Houston downtown, and the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We talked about putting Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher inside the octagon, so it's pretty apropos. We're going to talk some MMA because there's a big fight card coming to the state of Louisiana next weekend. 
Gulf Coast Mar- Mixed Martial Arts will be live with GC MMA 16 at Burton Coliseum next Saturday night. And they'll have one of the biggest cards they've put together. Three title fights headlining it. And to talk about it, we got to go to a jack of all trades. I'd say a master of all of them. And I'd run through all the stuff he does, but honestly, I'd run out of time here on this show. So I'll run through the highlights that matter the most to you. And that is the man that is going to be calling all the action, the play-by-play voice of Gulf Coast MMA. And that is Bryce Boudreaux. Bryce, how you been, my brother? Clint, what's up, man? That's a hell of an introduction, bro. Uh, I really appreciate that. Good to be back here on the show, man. Feels great. It's great to have you on the show, especially now that we're out in Lake Charles on 104.1 FM. Yes. It's going to be fantastic. And before we get to the event itself, I just want to have some fun here. We talked about Jimbo Fisher, Nick Saban. Who winds up winning in a fight inside the Octagon? Jimbo. Jimbo would kill it. Jimbo would kill it. Man, I would I would love to I'm see that to fight. Put money on that. I'm with you too, man. I think he would wind up having the strong edge, but at the same time, Nick Saban probably has that old man strength and is a cagey individual to where I think he could wind up pulling off a mild upset depending on how the fight goes. If it's stand up, I give it to Jimbo, but if it goes to the ground, I think Saban has a distinct edge. Well, uh I think the only uh bit of offense that Saban has would be a low blow uh, to Jimbo Fisher. Look, I mean, he's, he's he's pushing 90 or 100. Like, I don't even know how old Nick Saban is. Uh, Jimbo is, you know, a stallion. He's in shape, works out every day. Uh, and I heard that Saban's diet is terrible. He eats like a turkey sandwich for lunch every day, and then he eats uh, his breakfast as a can of Coke and an oatmeal cream pie. So his diet is horrible. You've got Jimbo up there in Bryan College Station. He's training hard every day. Uh, he's, he's hanging out at the Dixie Chicken. And so Jimbo already has the win here uh, in my books. But that that is now become teacher versus student, and now it's, it's gotten really personal. So it'll be interesting whenever Alabama and Texas A&M meet up uh, for this this uh, upcoming season. Hell, I think it's going to be interesting when they meet in the spring meetings. That's going to be fun in and of itself. It's a disappointing thing that they're not paired up against each other during SEC media days come July. But, you know, we can't necessarily expect to book things out perfectly. Meanwhile, Gulf Coast oh. MMA 16 looks like they're booking themselves perfectly well. Seven days from right now at Burton Coliseum. An impressive card with a lot of championships to be decided, including the flyweight championship with Lafayette's own Justin Longoria squaring up against Caleb Lazard. I'm looking forward to seeing that fight and who comes away with the title. But what else is on tap for the big night at Burton? Man, uh, not only have a phenomenal card, Clint, not only is this going to be the greatest MMA fight card the state of Louisiana has ever seen, but this night we will break the indoor attendance record for mixed martial arts in the state of Louisiana. We broke it the last time we ran the Burton Coliseum in Lake Charles, Louisiana, with I think over 4,000 people. We're going to do it again next Saturday night at the Burton Coliseum. The place will be nearly sold out. We'll have thousands of people there. And the fights stack, just like I said. I think one fight everybody's definitely looking forward to is our main event, Omar Johnson and Legal Simpson. But I think Lake Charles has our heart set on all of our local fighters. Most importantly, Austin Swallow, which is going to be co-main eventing with Jalen Jackson, the big professional flyweight bout. This is Austin Swallow's 
the A-side, Austin Swallow's pro flyweight debut. So this is his first professional fight. We're going to see what happens with Austin Swallow. Another big fight, Donzel Marshall uh, from Jennings, Louisiana, right down the road. You know where Jennings is, Clint. Uh, Donzel Marshall going to be taking on Smiling Ryland Malasa in a professional bantamweight bout. And I've seen both of these guys fight multiple times. Last time Donzel fought, I think he knocked the guy out with a spinning head kick within two seconds of the air horn blowing for the first round. So uh, definitely interesting. Could Donzel take down Ryland Malasa uh, with an easy knockout? We shall see because Ryland is one of the best fighters in the state of Louisiana. I'm willing to prove that. Nico Kamishong, uh, of course, Lake Charles native, taking on uh, Abram Sellers. Uh, in a professional bantamweight bout. Nico is is a bad dude, man. He's a very interesting cat, very to himself, uh, very peaceful kind of guy. Uh, but that will be interesting to see. And we're moving down. I think uh, this will be a – yeah, that's right. This will be the title fight, too. Lightweight title fight. Tanner the Truth Gilly. Moss Bluff, Louisiana zone, former Sam Houston Bronco, Tanner the Truth Gilly. The entire Gilly family, they're all going to be there uh, to support Tanner Gilly, man. He's going to be defending his Gulf Coast MMA lightweight title against Yaya Riles. And, uh, man, I don't know. Everybody's been talking to me. What do you think about this fight? Of course, man, uh, I I love Tanner. I love all my local guys. But, man, Tanner's got to be training hard because Yaya is no joke, man. Yaya will come out of there. uh, and He might be walking up with the title. So we shall see, man. Uh, but I have to say neutral, Clint. You know, I am the commentator. i got to call it right down the middle. A um, couple other fights, man. Another big title match, bantamweight title, Ben Bluen and Michael Lacombe. Um, that's going to be an, an epic uh, bantamweight title bout. And, of course, like you mentioned, Justin Longoria and, and Caleb Lazard. We talked about that earlier. We've got some epic prelims, too. Like, like I said, from start to finish, <laughs> this card is absolutely stacked. Hunter Smith and Conrad Wire going down in the Gulf Coast MMA lightweight division. Hunter Smith, a local guy out of, uh, I believe he went to high school at Sam Houston High School here in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Uh, Connor Coswell uh, taking on Joe Atala. Joe Atala, we haven't seen him in a while uh, with a, in a Gulf Coast MMA cage. Now he's back for this uh, bantamweight bound going down to the prelims. Grant Forrest taking on Caleb Webb, another Gulf Coast MMA flyweight bout. This is one that I think... Lake Charles, all of the old fight fans will definitely come out to see. Because this guy right here, Lake Charles, MMA, fight, boxing, whatever, this guy was doing MMA in its infancy whenever it was considered ultimate fighting or, or whatever you want to call it. Justin the Hammer Carpenter steps back into the cage, taking on Alex Martin in a welterweight bout. Now, Clint, Justin Carpenter... I have to be honest, family right there, okay? We're, I'm kin to the Carpenters, and I've known the Carpenters my entire life. And uh, Justin Carpenter is going to step back into the cage, into the Gulf Coast MMA cage. He's a boxing coach here in town. He's going to have a lot of people there to see him. I, rem- I remember Justin fighting in the Burton Coliseum whenever they had um, the old slugfest fights where it was, a, it was a boxing ring, and they just threw on boxing gloves. You could literally kickbox. You could, you could do whatever you want. You just couldn't bite. So it will be very interesting to see what happens whenever Justin steps back into the ring. Last time he fought for Gulf Coast MMA, he knocked, uh, he knocked the guy out within seconds. So we will see if the hammer comes down on the Burton Coliseum. Arturo Chavez taking on Martin Garrett in a 
Gulf Coast MMA middleweight bout, Arturo Chavez with a short drive from Houston, Texas, representing that true bloodline MMA. Gabe Reed taking on Isaiah Garza in a lightweight belt. I think that's going to kick off the show uh, for our prelims. So, yeah, man, like I said, the card is absolutely stacked. Tickets are still on sale. Like I said, uh, I think the entire floor is nearly sold out. We only have a couple, maybe one or two tables left, and that's it. Uh, but general admission tickets are still available. General admission tickets start at $45 per ticket. And there's not a bad seat in the Burton Coliseum. If you've been to the Burton Coliseum, you already know. Not oh. a bad seat in the house. We'll have, we'll have the big screens up. Um, but it's, it's going to be epic, man. Uh, seriously. I mean, that place will, will be almost, almost sold out, uh, what we're predicting. And if you can't make it to the event, uh, we're going to be live because this is a pay-per-view. We will be live on CombatSportsNow.com. That's right, CombatSportsNow.com, our official pay-per-view partners. Pay-per-view is only nineteen ninety-nine. You can stream it from anywhere, your phone, your tablet, your computer, your television. Uh, and we're also looking to have a couple restaurants around southwest Louisiana that will be streaming the fights. Uh, so you'll be able to watch them. You go to your favorite watering hole and watch Gulf Coast MMA on the big screen. If, if big crowds aren't your thing, would you like going to the local bar? Hey, that's all you, man. You can uh, you can go to the local bar and you'll potentially be able to watch the pay-per-view. And uh, so we're working on that right now. And like I said, it's a week till week till fight day. So uh, we shall see what happens. Doors will open at 6 p.m. Fights start at 7 p.m. The pay-per-view broadcast begins at 7 p.m. It'll be myself, Bryce Boudreau alongside Dynamite David Hardy, who is also the ring announcer. But we, uh, we're an epic little duo there on the Gulf Coast MMA commentary table, man. We call it straight down the middle. And I'm willing to put money on it that we are the best mixed martial arts commentary team out there. I'm willing, I'm willing to put anybody up against us of our professionalism and, uh, and just how we call the fights. We are, we are extremely good at what we do. Now, you talk about Dynamite David Hardy. I'll ask this question before I let you go. You brought up the fact he's also doing the ring announcing. Is he getting paid double? Because I'm, that's, that's my question here as I kind of let you go here because he's doing the ring announcing and also doing color commentary. I'm almost certain a little bit of double pay might be in order. Well, if Dynamite's listening to this, and he knows that this is true, man, that guy does everything. Like, I, there was one time that it was during the show, he gets out of the ring, he's sweeping the floors. And I'm like, Dave, Dave you, you got to get back in the cage, man. We got we to gotta show you. You got to do the commentary. You got to announce. You know, so he does all kinds of stuff. I don't know what he gets paid. I don't, I don't like talking numbers yeah. to people. But, uh, yeah, Dynamite Dave Hardy is the best at what he does, and he's doing some epic stuff right now. And, uh I think Lake Charles is looking forward to seeing a little dynamite on on the microphone um, this Saturday, this next coming Saturday uh, at the Burton Coliseum. I can't wait for it. Gulf Coast MMA 16. You can check it out, them out on Facebook. Just type in Gulf Coast Mixed Martial Arts for a lot of the other information. And if you can't make it out again, Combat Sports Now is the place to be to get in on the action and just watch it live. Nineteen ninety nine. It's a lot cheaper than the UFC pay-per-views are, so make sure you get in on the action. Bryce, can't thank you enough for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, brother. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me, bro. Have a great day, everybody. All right. Bryce Boudreaux, appreciate him coming on again. Gulf Coast MMA 16 coming up next Saturday at Burton Coliseum. And we'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll go into the world of college football, deep diving with our guy Steve Lassen of Athlon Sports. This is Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 
and 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Talk shows turn it up to 10 on the amp, but Under the Dome is far from your ordinary sports talk show. It takes it just one step higher. These guys are laughing. Now back to the show that gets the lead out Under the Dome with CD on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Live yet and 104.1 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Appreciate you listening in on a Saturday here inside the game studios after a couple weeks away for two very different reasons. It's great to be back in here. And let me tell you, today is the day. If you haven't already, you need to join the game clubhouse. Not only is it free to join, but you will get the chance to enter to win tremendous gifts like a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House or a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse, one of the best restaurants in the entire state. Love to do a tier list one day on some of the best in the state. Mind you, my opinion will vary differently. But Mr. Lester Steakhouse, definitely in that tier list. And all you got to do is join the clubhouse today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple to join. So go sign up today because if you don't, you can't win. It's the old saying. Like you hear, What do you hear about the lottery? You can't win it if you're not in it. And our guy, he's in it. The game hotline, that is. Our good friend, Steve Lassen of Athlon Sports, because we've got a lot to talk about when it comes to college football and all the changes going on and changes coming soon to the sport of college football. Steve, how you doing, brother? Hey, Clint. Good morning, man. It's good to talk to you, especially after such a slow news week in the SEC, man. I mean, I don't know what we're going to talk about for the next couple minutes here. <laughs> oh, we, we got a lot to get to. I think the biggest thing, we, we need to just get that out the way, open up that can of worms. Jimbo Fisher versus Nick Saban. That has been high drama if there ever was one. It very much was WWE-style promos from Nick Saban talking about how Texas A&M paid for all their players, and then Jimbo Fisher claps right back, calling him despicable, saying he's God, and y'all don't realize how bad he actually is. That entire exchange was magical. It, It was something, wasn't it? I mean, I don't remember two coaches like that at the top of their game and Nick Saban being the best coach in college football Jimbo Fisher is probably somewhere in the top five I mean we've had Jim Harbaugh versus Urban Meyer we've had some other dust-ups Lane Kiffin versus Urban Meyer I don't remember one as high profile and as quickly heated between two coaches who worked together in the past but man it got so heated in such a short amount of time it had Nick Saban I think on Wednesday night just stopped before he got to the the, uh, the Deion Sanders, Jackson State, and Texas A&M thing. 
he probably would have been fine. I think there probably would have been a lot of coaches who would agree with him. But then when he went to the Texas A&M thing, uh, of course, you know Jimbo had to respond, especially after this is the second time he's had to respond, especially after Kiffin uh, said something right around signing day. So, I mean, I'm fascinated to see where this goes. You have two coaches who work together, two coaches who are going to be competing for the SEC title this year. They're going to meet in Destin soon for the SEC coach meetings. I mean, this is – this is high drama. I mean, this is this is going to be amazing. The sad part is, Steve, is the fact that SEC media days in July, you've got Saban in day two. That's like your your prime time. And then Jimbo's like the last one to go, the last one to show up for media days on that Thursday. It's like, why can't we just like do what the NFL does and flex schedule to where Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher are back-to-back to where they have to like at least somehow, some way, be in each other's eyesight. Cause you know, like that's gonna be like photos are gonna be made of that moment, and video packages are gonna be made because of that the the stare down those two would have. Oh no question. Let, let's let's do like the bo- the boxing or UFC fights, right? Let's yes. get them on stage before the before the press conferences, and they can talk a little smack to each other, and you know we can get SEC media days started off on the right foot. And heck, let's let's get them on fine bomb at the same time on different ends of the desk and let them debate. Oh I my mean, God, you you were. We're we're just booking the best SEC media days possible right now. You know that, right? Oh yeah, and hey, while we're at it, we're going to get Lane Kiffin to be the referee. Lane Kiffin can just be like the third party chiming in on all of this. <laughs> oh, this is this is this has gone way better than I expected. We're only a couple minutes into the conversation, Steve, but I want to kind of flip over to some of the other conversations that are being had about numerous divisions. The, I mean, the Pac-12 doing away with divisions a lot of other programs are considering it like do you think that that's the next step in this to where we see these divisions go away in a sense and it just is more focused on putting together the best schedule possible and the most marquee sec matchup in the sec championship game for instance Yes, I do. I think there there is one conference, the Sun Belt, seems like they are content to just stick with divisions. And when you have such a regional um, kind of split in, in your league and so many rivalries within those divisions that you're trying to protect, I think it's a good thing in some instances to keep divisions. But I think what we're seeing is as conferences get bigger, especially in the SEC's case when you're going to 16 teams, you need to be able to play some of your opponents on a more consistent basis. I mean, you think about um, you know how infrequent Georgia and Texas A&M have played since Texas A&M came in the conference, and you know we're at what ten ten years of of A&M being in the league now. So, I think doing away with divisions can only make college football better because you're getting matchups more frequently. Teams are traveling to stadiums more frequently, so you're getting home and road matchups between teams. So schedules are fresher. But also at the, at the end of the year with the conference championship game, you're potentially getting a, a more marquee, higher-profile matchup as opposed to you know an east and west split where the Big Ten could have a 9-3 and three type of team and Ohio State's 11-1, and one, and the only reason why they didn't get in is because they lost to Michigan, who's undefeated. So I think you can kind of see where, yeah, I mean, who wouldn't want to see, like, Michigan and Ohio State play again? Who wouldn't want to see A&M and Alabama play again if they're the top two teams in the league? So it is going to be a little different, and I think it's a change that 
I think would be beneficial for college football. Just different games, better games, and I think the conference championship games would be better as a result too. What do you think about everything going on with the eventual stepping down of Mark Emmert where now we're going to see a reform committee kind of come in and make some radical changes? Do you think that could very well speed up the process of these Power Fives breaking off and doing their own thing? Or will things kind of remain status quo and things are ho-hum and then it kind of just goes at its natural pace to where we see the Big Ten, the Big 12, the SEC, and the Pac-12, and the ACC all kind of join together, just make their own super group and break away from the NC2A, at least from the football perspective? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think the honest answer is I don't think anybody really knows what's coming down the road for the NCAA and for college football. I, I don't think the administrative change at the NCAA is really going to make that big of a difference. And I say that because I don't think anybody in college football especially wants to give up something. Um, you know, the, Greg Sankey of the SEC, he's not going to become like a secondary player to some conference commissioner right now. I mean, conference commissioners are the most powerful people in college football right now. Um, I think in order to, to kind of get somewhere for college football and, and to have some sort of structure around it, everybody's going to have to give in, or they're just going to have to hire some conference commissioner who can sort of serve as a mediator as sort of a breakaway. And that's kind of where I think this is going, which is down the road I think you will see football, the, the conferences, probably the Power Five that want more autonomy will do something, whether that's under the college football playoff whether that's under some other umbrella, maybe they are just giving players a, a, a set salary every year, these are the transfer windows, all, all those things are in play. So I, I don't think we'll necessarily see a full breakaway from the NCAA because you still have the basketball tournament, but at the same time, it just seems like we're heading to a path where conferences and conference commissioners are so powerful that you will see some sort of change, and it's likely that it results in the Power Five having more autonomy in the future. And we talk about Mark Emmert. Like, maybe it's just I have the tinfoil hat on and I'm thinking about the conspiracy theories going on, but Mark Emmert leaving and then we see this reform, could we see Mark Emmert kind of be the catalyst to what we were talking about where the college football Power Five conferences break away and do their own thing and he becomes the commissioner, but it's more of in a sense of – NFL commissioner versus NCAA commissioner where it's almost like Dr. Doolittle? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a great question. I, I mean, I think that Mark Emmert leaving, I think, is a good thing for the NCAA. In some respects, he is a high-paid punching bag for a lot of conferences. You know, he takes a lot of heat. The schools make up the NCAA. If they wanted to make changes, they could do it. It's just that they've been comfortable just letting some of these things exist as it is and then letting Mark Emmert take the blame for it. So that the next commissioner, or I guess the next president of the NCAA, gets to be the next high-paid punching bag to go through all this. So I, I do think him leaving is probably a good thing because he was not good at his job. And the fact that you had so much infighting, so much distrust, and just so much dislike of where policies and everything was going, that someone new in that position may be able to come in and bring in a little bit more harmony. But I think, as you were saying there, it's still conferences in foot, college football, especially SEC, Big Ten, 
it's so much bigger, and, and the revenue that it's, it's bringing in, um, it just a new president of the NCA is not going to be able to boss around some of these conferences. So I'm skeptical that that will spur massive changes. It seems likely to me that with the expansion of the playoff, conference realignment, all that stuff says conferences in college football will have to take the lead in getting more autonomy. I got one more before I let you go. I know it's late May, but it feels like a good time as any just to kind of throw this question out here because there's a lot of first-year head coaches out there in newer programs which one of those do you think in terms of a first-year head coach could make the most impact in their respective conference i like lincoln riley at usc and and it's not just lincoln riley going to usc um and and the coaching impact it's the impact that he's had on the transfers that usc's brought in he brought in uh, you know a top five quarterback in caleb williams from oklahoma Jordan Addison, the best receiver in college football, is transferring to USC. They've got transfers pretty much at every position. It is a different USC team than we saw last season. So I think the Trojans are going to be significantly better this year. Maybe not playoff good, but certainly somewhere in that top 10 to 15. You know, I like Brent Venables at Oklahoma, too. I think that he knows that program so well, his background on defense. I suspect that the Sooners will be very good once again. And I'll stay local, too. I love Brian Kelly at LSU. I just, you know, he's won everywhere he's been. I know LSU's got a lot of questions along the line of scrimmage, offensively, quarterback concerns. I still think this LSU team is going to be pretty salty this year. I think they could be a top 25 team. So Brian Kelly, Brent Venables, uh, Lincoln Riley would probably be my uh, three top impact coaches this year. I'm disappointed in you, Steve. I thought you would have brought up uh, Billy Napier out of Florida because I think he absolutely has a chance to make that SEC East a lot more interesting. No question about it. Yeah, yeah, I, sh- I should have mentioned him. Shame on me <laughs> for not mentioning him or-, or Mario Cristobal this year. I-, I think that's the story. There are a lot of good first-year coaches, and Napier especially. You know Florida's not a rebuild. I mean, they, they just made the SEC championship game in 2020 and-, and pushed Alabama to the limits in that game. So there are some question marks for Napier, but at the same time, uh, you know, Florida's not short on talent. I think they will be a lot better right away. Maybe not in the top 25, but you know they finished six and seven last year. I think they can certainly get to maybe eight wins and push Tennessee, Kentucky uh, for second in the SEC East. Steve, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, my man. Hey, you too, Clint. Thanks, as always, for having me on. Uh, it's always great to talk with you, and we're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout, wrap up the show, one final take. To head into your weekend, and we're back after this right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. Before we close up shop here on Under the Dome, CD has just one more take to fire off before he drops the mic. Is it going to be a take that lands on the Scoville scale? Or is it going to be as cold as the pizza in your fridge? Let's listen in and find out. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD, and let's get right to it. Matt McMahon has done a tremendous job so far as the head coach at LSU, and it's more for what he's been able to do to get people to come back and to sign on with this team. Because you think about it. A month, a few months ago, probably I'd say back in 
early April, late March, early April. I came on the show, opened up about how the state of LSU basketball was not looking great. You have Will Wade's departure, him getting unceremoniously canned for justifiable reasons, the subsequent trips to the transfer portal because of that, and also the still looming sanctions by the NCAA. You take that last thing out of the conversation because that hasn't happened yet, and again, it won't be a death penalty, but Matt Matt McMahon has done a great job so far as the head coach of the Bayou Bengals because not only has he gone from not having a single scholarship player on the roster to filling up his roster altogether because, again, everything that's going on, it's not a great look. That dark cloud hangs over that program, and it's going to probably for a good while. But being able to secure... Guys like Adam, getting Adam Miller to come back, that should be committed in and of itself. Getting guys to come back is huge, especially when you know people are doing a little dirty pool and dirty recruiting. Because that's the nature of the beast. That's how this thing works. You got people recruiting a little dirty. And those players decide to come back because they realize, hey, things are going to get better. This guy's going to help us improve and, more importantly, get us through this tumultuous period. So got to give him a ton of credit. Not a single win on the board yet, but I think there's a lot of wins going on behind the scenes and that should be commended. I'm out of time here on Under the Dome with CD. Back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. You take it easy. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. I sure am because I'm going to Cajun's game later today for the first time all year. Peace!